0: Love Talk Radio. Aloha and welcome to Spiritual Journey with Hawaii Psychic Geraldine St. Joseph. Today we're going to discuss spiritual leadership and how to discern between good spiritual leadership or authentic spiritual leadership versus just basically being an egomaniac and what the pitfalls are and how to figure out not to fall into them. A good leader, whether it be a spiritual leader or a manager or your boss, generally will lead by example. It is the most effective way to lead people. You don't coerce people into following you. They follow you out of respect and love. Someone will remain much more faithful if they respect you and they see that you are willing to do to go above and beyond the call students to do just as much as you expect them to do. People don't like to follow someone who's not willing to do the hard stuff but leaves it to his subordinates. Being a spiritual leader involves taking things even a step further than that. We expect our leaders like the president, our congress, football players, different people that that we see as icons or important successful, we expect to hold them, to be able to hold them to a higher standard. Of course, in our society, it's really not happening right now. So now, more than ever, it's really, really important for us to become uh, the spiritual leaders and spiritual guides in our communities. Whether it be just in our homes, to our families, whether it be going out to a church, whether it be you know, just as you're working at work or on a subway or whatever you do on a regular basis. You live your life a certain way. You hold yourself to a different standard. The first mark of a good spiritual leader is that they are humble. Does this mean that they have no self-esteem? No. Humility and self-deprecating are two different things. Humility is being willing to do what needs to be done. Humility is not constantly bragging about yourself. It's not constantly saying, well, I did this and I did that, and take, making, bringing um, attention to yourself all the time and, and what you've done, like it's better or worth more than what other people have done. It does not rely a lack of self-confidence. Self-confidence needs to be there in a good leader. If you're not confident in what you're doing and what you're saying and who you are, people are not likely to follow you people are not likely to get the message. They're not likely to learn what you're trying to teach. And that's where um, a lot of these leaders turn to coercion because it's more about feeding their ego than it is about really helping anyone else. A spiritual leader becomes a spiritual leader in order to show people how to live their lives, to be happy and to be truly connected to God, the Spirit, to Jesus, to Buddha, whoever, whomever, their spiritual leadership, whatever path they're following, they need to really align with the tenets of that path. They need to hold themselves to a higher standard. We're going to basically talk about um, the Christian aspects because I was raised Catholic and I do know a little bit more about the Bible than I do about other holy books. But we, of course, can bring into the discussion any of the paths leading to God. Jesus the Christ said on more than one occasion to follow him. He was leading by example. What kinds of examples did he give? He was all about compassion. He was all about non-judgment. He was all about helping others, whether they helped you or not. Do unto others as you would have them do unto you. One of the main laws also in true Christianity is to love others as you love yourself. This requires that you love and respect yourself first. And knowing that the Christ or that Christ energy is within us, as we move forward, we need to love ourselves so that we can love others and be open to um, being part of the world, being part of the spiritual world, a grander, more inclusive place. So humility is first. And Jesus taught about humility by washing his disciples' feet at the Last Supper. And he told his disciples that they needed to do the same, to humble themselves in front of other people, that servants are no less than their masters. And at that time, there was a lot of slavery. So him saying that people who are owned are just as important as the owners was a huge deal. That was a big leap for them. Humility allows you to really put yourself in other people's shoes, regardless of who they are, whether it's a homeless person or whether it's the President of the United States. It allows you to experience empathy for other people. The second major uh, requirement of being a true spiritual leader is having integrity, being called to integrity. Um, In Ephesians, it reads, Obey them not only to win their favor when their eye is on you, but like slaves of Christ, doing the will of God from your heart, serve wholeheartedly as if you were serving the Lord, not men, because you know that the Lord will reward everyone for whatever good he does, whether he is slave or free. So integrity, what is integrity? Integrity requires honesty, not just honesty with yourself, but honesty with those around you, being truly honest, acknowledging your faults, acknowledging your your weaknesses, and owning that and owning your actions and your own decisions, whatever they may be. Last week I went to go see the movie Devil uh, with my daughter. It's M. Night Shyamalan. I don't know how much longer it's going to be in the theaters, but metaphysically it was a very dramatic film. And my favorite line in the film um, was one of the characters said that the lies we tell ourselves introduce us to him, meaning the demon, the devil. And you don't have to believe in the devil as a a physical entity or as an energetic entity even. But basically when we lie to ourselves, we cut ourselves off from God. That is a sin. What is a sin? People talk about being sinners and that you sin and all this stuff. And most people who talk about it are clueless about what it means. They think sin is just, okay, let's look at the Ten Commandments. If you do any of those things, that's a sin. Basically, sin is anything that cuts off your flow with spirit, with God. Did you get that? Sin is anything, anything that cuts off your flow of spirit with God. So, yes, the Ten Commandments are a great guideline. They talk about not only physical sins, like actually lying, but also lusting after your neighbor's wife or husband, which is more of an energetic or a, a sin that occurs in the mind. These things show where you're cutting off flow. It's a good, basic guideline. You may sin because you're a workaholic, because you're putting all your energetic, all your energy, all your focus into work and earning a dollar for whatever reason you're doing it. it Generally, if someone is a workaholic, it's an avoidance thing. What are you avoiding? You're avoiding being with yourself. It's a sin to jump from relationship to relationship and not give yourself time to heal because you're trying to find in those people the connection that you can only be found in God. People, eventually, even if somebody gets huge, like some of these spiritual leaders that we've seen taken a fall because they cheated on their wives or they're sleeping with um, people in their congregation or they're doing these different very, very sinful acts, which are sins not just because it's wrong that they're using people and manipulating people and, using their power against people instead of helping them. Your sins are on so many different levels. When you're in a marriage, there is a commitment there. There is a promise. And people who go from marriage to marriage to marriage, there, they're, it's just a game to them. There is no commitment. There is no promise. They just, They want to be married. They don't care who they're married to. They don't care how long it is. They just like, you know, the getting married part, convincing somebody to accept them and take them into their home. That's the part they really like. And then they manipulate them for a while and then, you know, maybe they just move on to the next person. That is lacking in integrity. And we see so many of these people who are considered leaders and spiritual leaders doing those types of things. So you need to be careful when you are looking at someone who you are going to follow, who's going to teach you about different things, you need to be very careful of that. Every act, everything you do, every time you smile at someone, it creates an energetic, it creates a flow. So if in front of people you're happy and you're sweet and you're kind and then you go home and you harangue your husband or you cheat on your wife or you're doing things in secret, that is part of the flow too. Eventually that will come out. Eventually people will see it. People are so hungry right now for that connection. They're so hungry right now to find a way to become closer to God that they tend to follow a lot of these false prophets. You need to be very careful with that. And as we move on, there's different things that will come up to help you with those things. In order to be a true spiritual leader and to live in compassion, you have to love both friend and foe. You have to really open up um, and work through love. Uh, One of my themes throughout these shows has been to make all your decisions with love in your heart, and you'll never go wrong. You may get hurt. Things may happen. People may not live up to your expectations. But if you are living and acting out of love, out of selflessness, out of compassion, you're on the right path. It doesn't mean you let people beat you up. It doesn't mean that that you lack in self-confidence. It means you have enough confidence in yourself and your connection to God that you act above the standards. You act in a different way. And and this is being a spiritual leader. Even if you're not like a preacher in a church or even if you're just teaching your children to be good people. One of my favorite quotes out of the Bible is Matthew 5. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others, so that they may see your good, lead by example. It's very important. So when someone hurts you, to return a heart with a hurt that's not leading by example, that's not looking through compassionate eyes, try and figure out what is going on. Put yourself in other people's shoes. Try to see what's really behind it. Nine out of ten times, someone will have a day and they'll be going through something or maybe they might have a lifetime where they're going through something and they're constantly badgering or negative. You need to see where they're coming from. What is the wound that they're speaking from? Coming to that kind of understanding and not taking things personally but looking to see where they really are coming from is a huge step and it's something that's very important for your spiritual growth. Um, In Galatians 5, it says, For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is of any avail, but faith working through love. Now, what that's talking about is that um, when they talk about circumcision or uncircumcised, of course, in the Jewish faith, circumcision is part of the covenant. What they're saying is that Some people do things so that outwardly it looks like they're a certain way. Like, for instance, um, if you write prolifically about the Bible, just because you're writing about it doesn't mean you truly understand it or you accept it in your life or you have any kind of a flow. It's just something that you're doing. It can be just emotions so that the outside world thinks that you've got it. But then in your personal life when, you know, I don't know, you're committing adultery or you're lying or you're um, abusive. It shows that there's a dichotomy there, that this is not the real person, that there's something that needs to be fixed or needs to change. One of my favorite things is that in the Bible, there are several places where the Bible is, warning you about false prophets I'm warning you about these people who are out there who present themselves as they, these awesome spiritual leaders who actually don't have any connection to God and really don't know they don't have the Christ energy in their hearts which is that pure and conditional love, that compassion it's not there and it says to meditate and pray over God's words that Basically, you need to learn discernment. Discernment is very, very important. Discernment is a gift, and it's also something that can be um, strengthened over time, your gift of discernment. And basically, what it's saying is that, and people are going to be angry about this one, but not everything you read is true. Not every statement in the Bible was divinely inspired. There are things in there that aren't true. If you read the whole Bible, if you really go through it and take in piece by piece, you'll notice as you do that, there are certain pieces that don't quite fit. It doesn't quite feel right. It, it, it's not, it doesn't flow with the rest of the energy. And those are the pieces you're meant to discard. Those are the pieces that are hateful or judgmental that are not the ways of the Christ energy. They're not the ways of God. So you need to to look at that. Either you believe in a compassionate, loving God, or you don't. If you believe that God is loving and compassionate, then how can you believe in hateful things, like bullying people who are homosexual and believing that God makes mistakes in creating these people, or believing that um, only a limited number of people have the ability To be saved, one hundred forty-four thousand, or whatever it is. Does that really sound right? Is it really that literal, or do we need to look at things a little more broadly to see what is being discussed? And maybe we need to put it into context. Um, I know a little bit about the Quran, and in the Quran one of the basic premises is to take care of others, to really protect and take care of women and children and have a high respect. And yet there's a there is a passage in the Quran which basically says that it's all right to discipline by force um, your wife and things like that. And if you're reading the Quran and you come across this passage you're like, Whoa, who did that come from? That doesn't sound like it came from the same person who's talked about all all these wonderful things, all these good things. The other thing is to take things into context. What are they talking about specifically? So when you hit something like that in the Bible, in the Quran, in any of the holy texts or considered holy texts, even if you're into more metaphysical things and you're reading things that supposedly are channeled, really feel it through your solar plexus and see how you're reacting to some of the things in there. Is it frightening you? Is it pulling back? Is it telling you this is dangerous? Is it, is it opening your heart? Is it making you feel light and more loving? Or is it pulling you down and making you feel hateful? There's nothing in the way Jesus lived. There's nothing in his story. There's nothing in who he was as a person and how he lived as a person that leads us to believe that it's all right to be hateful and judgmental. Okay, um, we get off that, that soapbox. So, basically, part of it is about discernment, and, and you need to really meditate on and think about, don't just blindly follow anybody. Don't even just blindly follow me. If I say something and it's not sitting right for you, look it up. When I talk about things in the Bible, read the entire passage. Look to see exactly what it says. One of the tricks of... um the false prophets, as they say, is that they will pull things out of the Bible completely out of context and then explain to you what it means. When when you read the whole passage, that's not what it means at all. Go through it. Really look. Understand. Broaden yourself. Be educated. It's very important. Um, when you are truly connected to God, you really are Faithful. There is a lack of greed and fear because love cannot exist in the same place. Light can't exist with darkness. Light and darkness, there's an edge there. There's either one or the other. I mean, there there might be the gray of dawn, but basically they don't exist at the same time in the same place. They do exist at the same time, but not in the same place. There's a line that's crossed. So um, when our faith is strong and our hope is solid, it knocks away all barriers to love. There is no greed. There's no fear. The jealousy is gone. The need to control, the envy, all that stuff gets swept away if you're really, truly connected. That's not to say that it doesn't rear its head every once in a while. That's not to say that you're not human anymore. But it's to say that you... The way you handle those things is different. When you look at things and you feel this come up in yourself, because you feel it as a physical thing, you acknowledge it and you put it away, and you make a different decision. You make a different choice. You don't hold grudges. You devote your energies to doing good to others rather than seeking your own aggrandizement or your, your own glory. That comes. That comes with being a good person. It's there. Whether you see it's there or not, it's not always evident when other people hold you in high regard or high esteem. It's not always that you're going to have the Mercedes. But it is evident that when it comes to brass tacks, people will surround you with love and light, like in the, um, oh, what is the name of that story, where the man wishes he was never born my brother's favorite movie and he wishes he were never born then he sees what the world would be like how many lives he's changed and then when he comes back into his own body and he steps into his home even though he's he's feeling better that he knows he's done something but he still feels a failure in this moment he sees how everybody comes together to support him because he supported everyone else all these years you're not doing it in order to get something back you're doing it because it's the right thing to do So some of the other qualities of a spiritual leader is there's a feeling of restlessness. You're not always satisfied with the status quo. You're always looking to see how can I make things better? Where are we going from here? Are we getting better? Are we growing? It's a sense of, I mean, you really do get very restless if you're about to come about a a big spiritual change but there's always this sense of not resting on your laurels. Um, For uh, somebody who got a great letter of recommendation 10 years ago and still isn't working, but they keep referring to this great letter of recommendation, how great they were 10 years ago, but they're not doing anything today. They're resting on their laurels. Um, Somebody who is constantly living in the past, and hasn't brought things up to the present. You need to look forward, especially as a leader. You're leading. You're moving forward. You're looking to see, okay, what's next? What is the next thing that God has in store for me? Where's the next place I need to be? What is the next thing I need to do? It's part of this actual physical journey that I'm taking. I'm speaking today from Atlanta, because we've gone across the United States. There are different places we need to stop. There are some places we need to be. There were places I thought we needed to be for a day or two where we ended up staying for a week because that's what God called us to do because that is where we were supposed to be at that time. So this restlessness, it's a discontentment, it's wanting positive change, wanting to see things grow. Stagnation, you know what that smells like. You don't want to go there. Being optimistic. Knowing that things can get better, regardless of what they look like right now, knowing and being having the foresight to know that things can get better and trying to figure out a way to do that. Having a certain intensity um, also is very important in your spiritual journey. You need to really believe in it. There's got to be zeal, and that doesn't mean that you go off preaching to everybody on the subway and hitting them in the head with your Bible or whatnot. It doesn't mean hitting them over the head with it, but if you really live your light, you really walk, your talk, people will notice and they will be drawn to you. The people who need you will start asking you questions and will open up the passageway to really talk about your belief system and what you've discovered. I mean, because it's more about what we're discovering and what we're learning and really being in that flow. Um, Jesus warns us in Revelation 3.16 that he doesn't have a taste for people who are lukewarm. So being Middle of the road. I don't want to bother anybody. I don't want to. I don't want to offend anybody. Um, I don't want to. You know, I'm not going to mention the word God. I'm not going to mention the word Jesus because it turns some people off. I'm not going to talk about this because somebody might be offended. Political correctness was probably the worst thing that ever happened to our country, because it says that no one should ever be offended. Well, I like Eminem's statement that if you're not pissing somebody off. You're not saying anything. And it's true. If you're not making people stand up and listen, if you're not shocking people, if you're not making a statement of any kind that some people are going to find offensive, what are you really saying? Even being a very good person. The Dalai Lama, there are some crazy people, and I shouldn't call them crazy because that's judgment, but there are people in the world who actually have things against the Dalai Lama because he's not a Christian. He is more Christ-like than anyone else on the planet at this point, at this moment. At least that's visible. This is what we need to look for, not whether or not he's saying it in Christ's name. And, and what people feel to understand, too, part of that learning is that the Christ, it's not Jesus Christ. His last name was not Christ. His first name was not Christ. Christ is from the Greek it means unconditional love. It's a, an energetic, it's a state of being. It's like being the Buddha. The Buddha, there were many Buddhas, the Buddha that we all speak of, he has a name. He has a history. He had a life. But he's the Buddha, just like Jesus has a history, has a name, but he is the Christ. He is recognized for his Christ-like actions, his demeanor, and the light that he brought to the world that we're supposed to continue on and intensify. So he's saying, don't be lukewarm. Pick a side. I always say you can't straddle the fence. There's light and there's dark. You cannot dabble. In metaphysics, some people think they can dabble and that they can do things and be manipulative to people and use different works of manipulation in order to control situations and not suffer from that. When you're doing different types of protection or helping someone to disengage from a negative person, it's not about... Throwing more negativity into the next. It's not meeting evil with evil. That doesn't work because then you just lower yourself into that vibration. It's raising yourself up. When Jesus said to turn the other tree, he was talking about raising yourself up above the situation, not engaging in the tit for tat, which brings us to being self-controlled. A good leader has self-control. Does that mean you never flip out in traffic and start yelling at the guy who just cut you off? No, you have moments of weakness. There are times when you're going to lose it, where there's just so much stress or something has built up or whatever. But there should only be moments. It should not be where you're fighting with each other every day. It should not be where you're constantly complaining and gossiping and doing that type of work. In Galatians 5.15, it says, uh, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the spirit, and the desires of the flesh are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other, to keep you from doing the things you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. Now the works of the flesh are evident. Now, this is what they're talking about so far as the works of the flesh. They're not talking about just, you know, exceeding yourself. are just talking about taking care of yourself. So, what they're talking about, and they, they explain it here, it says sexual immorality, adultery, uh, manipulating someone through sex, uh, impurity, sensuality, using sensuality as a manipulative tool, or focusing only on the physical, idolatry, sorcery, just what I was saying about using things against people, manipulation, enmity, strife jealousy, jealousy is a big one, totally cuts you off from the God presence, fits of anger, rivalry, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and things like these. I warn you as I warned you before that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God I have no idea when that cut off because it just, uh, it just dawned on me that it got cut off. I'm really sorry. Um, what I will do is I will redo this show as soon as I have a chance. Um, so I don't know how much you missed. <laughs> okay, so let's just recap simply. In order to be a true spiritual leader or a good spiritual leader, The first thing you need to do is be humble, find humility. That does not mean you lack in self-respect or self-esteem. It means that you are willing to do what needs to be done without question and that you are of service to others. And it's not about you getting all the glory or getting credit for everything. It's more about serving others. Um, Part of it, too, is um, there are those we talked about, false teachers. Having the appearance of godliness. Now, this is in Timothy. There's Timothy 1 and 2 in the Bible, and both books, I highly recommend that you read because I I love those books. There's so much good meat in there. Um, But this is from Timothy 2, chapter 3. Um, Having the appearance of godliness, but but denying its power, denying the power of God, taking it as your own, avoid such people. For among them are those who creep into households and capture weak men and women, Burdened with sins and led astray by various passions. Always learning and never able to arrive at a knowledge of the truth. So who does this describe to you? This would describe people who are always very preachy and telling you what to do, and yet when you look at their lives, they're not living that. They've come to a place where they want to tell everybody else what to do and be controlling and have that glory of being seen as a spiritual leader, but they're not living what they're preaching. They are actually using spiritual works, inspired doctrines like the Bible, to. Is anything that takes you out of the flow that makes you separate from your, from your source. In Timothy two also, there's a statement: Think over what I say, for the Lord will grant you understanding in everything. So basically, if a church or a person or any type of spiritual leadership is calling you to not think and just blindly accept, run the other direction. Because even the Bible, there are several places where they tell you you need to think about things. It needs to sit well with you. It needs to make sense. So look at that. It's not supposed to short-circuit your intellectual process. It's not supposed to be against thinker. It's supposed to help you think more clearly and see things more clearly. A spiritual leader needs to be articulate. Uh, What I find with a lot of these false teachers is that they talk around things like politicians where they're not really saying anything or they manipulate words, they take things out of context and they try to use words to, to mean what they want it to mean and to say what they want it to say instead of the truth. You need to be able to teach and in order to be able to teach, you have to understand what you're teaching. You have to be able to express it very well. So in Timothy 1, it says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. Therefore, an overseer must be above reproach, above reproach, which means in his personal life, he has to be living what he's preaching. The husband of one wife or the wife of one husband, sober-minded, self-controlled, respectable, hospitable, able to teach, not a drunkard, not violent, but gentle, not not quarrelsome, not a lover of money. He must manage his own household well, with all dignity, keeping his children well in line. For if someone does not know how to manage his own household, how will he care for God's church? He must not be a recent convert, or he may become puffed up with conceit and fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must be well thought of by outsiders so that he may not fall into disgrace, into a snare of the devil. Okay. So basically, you need to be living a good life and be a good person versus, you know, just being given an assignment and then doing it on the outside but not doing it on the inside. you got to walk your talk. False teachers and true content. So... There's, when you have a teacher, a spiritual teacher, who is humble, they have a great deal of integrity, their walk and their talk, you see it in every aspect of their life that there is. And when you're around them, there's just a sense of peace and contentment, and it, but a sense of fervor at the same time where you're excited about who you are and what you're doing. Here goes Timothy again, Timothy 1 6. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus the Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction amongst people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth, imagining that godliness as a means, a means of gain. So what does that mean? Does that mean that, well, if you're a spiritual teacher, you can't be wealthy? No. Or that you can't charge for your services? No. If someone like Joel Osteen is a good example of a very positive, powerfully positive, good spiritual teacher, he has all kinds of wealth because he's earned it. But when you look at his background, when you look at his life, when you look at the way he conducts himself in and outside of the pulpit, he is a very upstanding person of integrity. That is the kind of person that we look towards to see, like, what their what the reality is. And of course, in today's media, if it's not controversial, it's not news. But and sometimes they make up things about people. But you know, by the message that they're giving and how you feel when you walk out, how much of it is true? Like, like God said, be discerning. Um, and the words of the Christ and that teaching was not just uttered by him. It's in many, many different paths. So you can actually follow his example without even knowing him. And there is a part in the Bible that that talks about that, that we are judged by our lives, by our works. And that's not about just preaching about Jesus specifically. It's more about living like Jesus. It, it, there is a sense of connection. Now, let's look at uh, the production of envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and friction among people. How many churches do you know create that? How many churches have you seen that preach about, um, you know, hating homosexuals and preach about, you know, they, they kill people who are getting abortions? And I mean, really? This is godly? I don't think so. So you need to be careful of becoming ensnared in that. Looking for a good spiritual teacher, uh, you have to remember some of the things that are said, such as beware of false prophets who come to you in cheap clothing, but in, inwardly are ravenous woods that wolves. That's in Matthew 7. You can recognize them by their fruits. What does that mean? Well, what do they do? How many people have they truly helped? You know, are the people that are around them, are they like groupies who they are consistently, like, abusive to in order to to keep them and telling them that they're going to go to hell and scaring them, that's how they keep them in the fold? Or are they people who allow people to grow and move forward and really become everything that they they are meant to be? So... um, Also in Matthew 7 is... uh, how Jesus talks about he's not going to accept everybody who says that they know him. There are so many people who call themselves true believers who don't act like it. You know, they just discard their husbands or wives. They abandon children. They uh, tell the people following them that they have to abandon their families and that they shouldn't be respected to their parents. And, you know, they give out all this false information. They use Bible quotes that are, misdirected or other holy books that are misdirected in order to control people and they control them through fear. And it says, um, they'll come to you, Lord, Lord, do we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then Jesus will declare to them, I never knew you apart from me, workers of lawlessness.' So that is where they're talking about. If you live in an if there is an unbalance, if one part of your life is good, the other is evil then you're considered evil. There is no in-between. You also need to be tactful and be able to see what's going to happen in the future. Organize and efficient, decisive. You must persevere. You must be a true lover and everyone in your life should feel that loving come from you. Um, And also be restful. I mean, God granted us one day a week to rest. So again, mode of going into This state of constant work of being a workaholic, that is a false god, it's an idol, and it's just as bad as being an alcoholic, but it's socially acceptable, so people don't mind it so much. So I'm really sorry, I don't know how much of the uh, show everybody missed because I wasn't watching the switchboard, but I will re-record this uh, at a later time, I promise. Uh, if you have any questions, please email me at Geraldine at Voice of Spirit. That's Geraldine, G E R A L Y N, at Voice of spirit.com. If you're looking to have a private session, please give me a call or text me at 808 261 7866 and visit my website, Psychic in Hawaii.com, Voice of GabrielsTrumpet.net and well, your homework for this is going to be to look around you at the people that you admire and you aspire to be like and see whether or not they're really worth that energetic. Look at the people around you and dig a little. Make sure that they're living the life that they're preaching about and see how they are. I mean, I I really, really want to help you find with spirit. Calmness here, there's a peacefulness that you sense in the Dalai Lama and people like that. And you might not reach that level, I mean he's pretty pretty amazing. But you can reach some level of that. So look at the people around you and choose very carefully and look at your own life and look at yourself and see, what do I believe? What is my faith? Where do I take that? Don't hide your light under a bushel. You need to really shine and show other people how to live by your example. So that being said, this is Hawaii Psychic, General in St. Joseph, coming to you and signing off from Spiritual Journey. Join us next time, and I will re-record this show. Aloha.